John Bichet was supposed to be giving out a link for questions for yeah, like. Oh. Does someone have access to that site? Because <laughs> I don't. Okay. Because if they're not questions, I'm going to ask you guys questions, but like actually ask questions. There's um, only one question so far. No problem. And does it refresh on its own? No. I'm actually not sure. Possibly not. So. Would a laptop be better for you? Um. Sure. Okay, um. It doesn't matter. I can start. I think there's just only one question. Okay. Do you want us to log in on your phone? Oh, that would be cool. Let me open a new tab. How do I close it? Okay. Oh, there's the new tab. Thank you so much. Um, all right, wait, 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 wait. Um, I don't know how to yell. Um, there's John Bichet, stone him. Um, before I answer like questions from you guys, um, I want to ask you guys just like a few questions um, from interactions that I haven't seen almost anyone in the diocese for a long time. Um, but I guess I want to ask you guys what informs the decisions that you make. I don't don't answer it like immediately unless you have an actual immediate gut impulse so like how do you decide what how did you decide what college you went to how do you decide who to marry how do you decide um whether or not you should go on a trip with your friends how do you decide who are your friends how do you decide how to deal with your friends if you disagree um, how do you decide, um, that you're even a Christian? Um, how do you decide if another Christian tells you that you're a moron for doing what you do, why you're right? How do you make those, um, decisions? N- now you can answer. <laughs> God, Jesus, yeah. Um, what does that mean? Cut the hair again. This is wow, that's awkward. <laughs> Anyone? Wait, here, Peter. I wasn't here. I asked like six questions or more. Summary is: How do you decide to do what you do? What drives you to do what you do? Whatever the doing is. Where you go, what you eat, what decisions you make, what job you take, what college you go to, whether you should do medicine, pharmacy, engineering, law, the, the holy quaternity, um, or, or whatever thing that it is. How, what informs your decision? How do you make a decision about that? Discourse. I think the short answer is judgment. And on a good day, that means you know the judgment of God, you're, you're taking every action out with how will my God view this? How is this action in accordance with the judgment of God or not? On a bad day, it's the judgment of the world. 
does this make sense? Does this look stupid in modern society? Does this, is this going to make me enough money to, to live? Excellent. So, what is the judgment of God? So last question I'll ask you before I start answering you guys. Because in most questions, the part that's missing is the answer to that. Well, ideally, you should pray and find out not all questions have the same answers and not all, quest not all situations should be approached in the same way. And so I think that some things are obvious like like Christ has been in similar situations in his life and we should try to model our judgment or our decisions based on that and in some cases where it's kind of tricky you should pray and ask okay so let's say you prayed and asked and there's no sign from heaven um, you want to marry Verena and she's so righteous um, and she loves God more than me and whenever I'm with her I want to love God more and more and I have this monumental obstacle called my parents um, who tell me she's no good for you, Habibi. Um, she's so bad, but maybe she loves God, but not with you, okay? And that over my dead body, you marry her, I won't come to your wedding. <laughs> How'd you make your decision? So Samson went with the flow, yeah. <laughs> and it did not work out very well for Samson, right? So he, he died, right? And he had his eyes plucked out, and his lover cut his hair, which was not good for Samson, right? So I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic, right? But I, wanna, I want us to like get to the core of it, right? And Samson was a man of God, right? Samson was a judge pre-chosen before his birth by God to be a judge, the biblical jock. All right, so, um, so how does one <laughs> one know the kids are? Um, I'm I'm not going for a specific answer. I'm going for the whole mindset behind it. Marina. That's what I wanted someone to say. <laughs> You're going to be my victim. Anyone who knows me knows why I don't like that answer, including Marina. Go for it. Okay, so now weed is legal. Like, okay, cool. Right? So if weed is legal, I'm just throwing randomness up, okay? Um, our next generation, right? Because people by nature, if we just go with the flow, we like things that are prohibited, right? So today, <laughs> meth is still illegal, right? So will meth be the go with the flow 
next. I, I'm not even trying to, again, to dictate what's right and, and, and wrong in each, like as an answer to each, but I want to know what forms the decision. What would be your considerations in making a decision about it? Because if it's simply going with the flow, basically what we're saying is whatever the popular vote is or whatever makes me feel good right now. I know, I'm, I'm, but I'm, <laughs> no, I'm judging nobody because I want there to be a discussion. I'm always going to play devil's advocate, even if I agree with you, um, just to, to make points. Um, anyone want to take a side? The wedding thing. What would be your considerations, Dave? Well, um, uh, you, of course you should try to work it out in a civilized manner. You should ask, uh, you should talk to Nabuna, you should talk to them, and at the same time keep an open mind. Be willing to compromise, because in this sitting between you and your parents, one is definitely right and one is definitely wrong. Brina is either a great person or a horrible person. And if, and if you're not willing to consider that you're wrong, then why are you even sitting down to talk? So I like that you're giving room to be wrong, actually, okay? But what if the compromise, I'm just going to make a complete randomness now. Let's pretend one of your parents says, you know what? I think she's a good person, but not for marriage. So how about you just live together? (laughs) 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 I was like, what? (laughs) Mina, you had your hand up. I don't like that either. Go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Like, like they're okay. They're not okay with marriage, but they're okay with like what? But but you're all talking about your feelings, right? So their parents are saying, "I feel okay with that," right? And and another person saying, "Well, I feel okay with marrying her. I don't feel okay with you marrying her," right? So then, what do we come back to? Discourse. So I think what you're trying to get at is relativism. Relativism is the opposite of absolute truth. Not as absolute. This is why I love discourse. So I'm not saying it could never be godly, right? But I'm saying that it's not how we make decisions, okay? And so in all of these things that are brought up, if your if your decision making process, because this is what I see all the time, that's why I'm asking the question, okay? Is that it'll be like, well, I feel really good about it, and I don't imagine I would do wrong, and um, it's got this, and you'll just list pros and cons, and then it's just like a, a flip the coin, or if you're really religious, an altar ballot, okay? Um, and, and none of those are valid if you're not actually seeking the will of the Lord, right? So does objective truth exist? Thank you. Okay, I'm not going to vote on it. All right, is that that is a claim of religion, okay? Is that we have things called dogmas, okay? And dogmas are like the equivalent in science of your laws, right? So you can have laws, right? And then you can have theories, right? So dogmas are absolutes, okay? And then you've got doctrines. Doctrines are like theories. They can be well-established theories, 
okay? They can be theories that are still in, in progress, that we're still trying um, to figure out. So, for example, we have a dogma that there's a heaven and a hell, okay? But we have doctrines about what does heaven look like or what is hell like. We don't really know, right? Is hell burning in the love of God, right, as one early father says, okay? Or is it physical burning in the lake of fire, as another father says, right? These are things we don't know. These are not dogmas, right? But it would be going against dogma, right, to say, no, 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 like when you die, khalas, like there's, 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 there's nothing. So the same thing with our, our morals, right? And the same thing, so for example, with the whole parent scenario, right? It should come to your, like, mindset, right? I'm not saying as an as, as absolute deciding factor. What you need to do mentally is come back to what are the absolutes, okay? So on one level, I do have to honor my father and my mother. But what does that mean, right? So I'm not saying that your parents said that, therefore, the marriage isn't going to happen, right? But I'm saying where your mind should go to are the absolutes, right? What is it that is wrong about this, right? Because what dogmas do, right, just like what they do in science with laws, is it forms for us the perimeter in which you can have the conversation, right? Is that you have these, these, this boundary, right? So for example, we know that murder is wrong, okay? And we know that selfishness is wrong. So when we ask a question of like, is it okay to have capital murder? Or, sorry, capital punishment. We don't do that in Canada. Um, <laughs> capital punishment, right? You're going to have to look at, well, where are the boundaries set for us, right, in, in the Bible? That's what you're going to come to. When you're going off to college, right, what is your objective in life? Do you have any absolute in front of you, right? Because if you actually believe that God is real, Right, then you need to actually think about what is the point of your existence. And the point of your existence is not to be a lawyer or a doctor or a pharmacist, even though they're better than everyone else, or an engineer. Okay? It's I'm a pharmacist. Um, but I would use those gifts to glorify God. And if that's the case, then when there's a conflict between what this thing is that I'm interested in and God, there should be something that trumps. Right? So if I have to choose between a job that pays more and it means me not having Eucharist regularly, something's wrong, right? Because it means that I've put a principle above an absolute, right? If I have to choose a relationship where I'm saying at the foundation of my relationship is that this person doesn't believe that my God is God, what is the point of your relationship? Right? Because for us, there's an absolute for marriage. Right? Is that the objective of marriage is salvation. So how can I marry someone who doesn't believe in it actively and knowingly and willingly, right? And say that this is a good idea, right? Because if you're saying, oh, no, no, I'm going to save her, or I'm going to save him, right? Well, good luck with that, okay? Because you, you probably won't. Um, you probably will struggle to save yourself, okay? But... If I don't have an objective in my mind, right, then everything I do is willy-nilly, right? Then you can sit down with your group of friends and, like, and, and smoke shisha because that's okay because you feel good, all right? And, and just have a good discussion about what should I do? Well, how do you feel about it, right? I don't care how you feel, right? That's, like, like the main message, right, is your feelings exist. That's fine. We all have feelings. I actually have feelings, too, okay? But feelings are secondary, Right, like th those are not how these are not how we drive our decisions. 
right? So it can't just be like, it's not wrong to measure what are the consequences of this thing that I'm going to do. But all of that is secondary. The first question should be, is this in line with the objective? Okay, is there an absolute here that's being transgressed? If there isn't, go for it, right? Have fun with the discussions and you can have an altar ballot, do whatever it is that you do to make your decisions, right? But make sure that it is objective, okay? Because our generation is like all about, I just think, I just feel, I just thought, just in my heart, I just didn't know, I really just feel, right? And it's, it's, it's useless, okay? So feel all you want, okay? But start with truth, okay? And then let your feelings bow, right, towards absolute truth. Any questions about that before I start looking at you guys' questions? Mr. Skander. So we start with the creed, right, as the as the the main claims, but the Bible, right, the Christian Constitution is Matthew five through seven, right. So if I'm weighing out whether to sue somebody or not, right, if I look at the Sermon on the Mount, it actually explicitly says, if somebody took your outer garment and is suing you for your undergarment, okay. Like, he's not even just friendly asking for it. Just give it to him, right? So these are absolutes. These are from, from Christ, right? I might fall short of that, okay? But if I fall short of that, then what I need to acknowledge is that I fell short, right? Is that it's, it's I can say I'm not at that level yet, but I can't say that's all right that I'm not at that level, right? I just have to acknowledge and say, yeah, I'm just not at a level where I can do that. I wish that I, I was, Right, but I have to desire to get back up because I think sometimes what we do is make like lukewarmness an acceptable standard. Right, there's a difference between falling, right, and not caring. Right, we're all gonna fall. I fall, you all fall, everyone's gonna fall. King David fell, right, but there's a difference between a fall and actively not caring about it. So I would say that the Bible is, is obviously one. Um, the creed is the is the main emblem um, of our um, of our dogmas, right? And then, if you want to get more specific, you'd want to look at the canons of of the ecumenical councils, right? And the writings that were produced through those um, to get a better sense. Anyone else, Marina? So I'm saying start with with the absolutes, right? So like going away for school, like we said, like as, as an example earlier. All right, number one, what do I see as the point of my education? Is the objective for me just to be loaded? Because if that's my objective, that's gonna defect, that's gonna affect all my decisions, right? Because then it means that I'm gonna bow my, my secondary decisions to getting rich. But if, if I'm saying that the objective of my career is to use the gift that God gave me, right, and that this is, he gave me a gift, I just want to use it, then I'm not going to use it against God, right? So then I need to look at what does this decision entail. So for example, if my salvation is the most important thing, and I have in front of me school number one, party school, okay, with a good academic reputation, Okay, so like it doesn't have to mean that it's a horrible school, right? It might have a great academic reputation. 
and I have um, the local school that everyone from church is at and is a drag to me, okay, but maybe I'm not going to struggle as much academically, but I also don't have the wrong environment, right, then I've got to be really, really honest, which is when I'm left to my own devices, what do I actually usually do, right? And you can fool anyone, but not yourself, right? Like, you know if I'm going because I want right, to do what everyone's doing and tell myself, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. I, I know the truth about myself, right? And, and that's when people need to be honest. So if my objective here is God, right, then I'm going to say, God, I chose the weaker school, right, because I didn't want to do wrong, right? So I'm asking you to help me out here because I'm actively showing you that I care, right? And God's promise to us was, I know that you need stuff, right? Like he, he said it explicitly, right? And he goes, I get it. I know it. Before you even say it, I know it. All I'm asking from you is seek me first, not because he's this egotistical, selfish person in the sky who wants a lot of attention, but because our existence is only in existence because he exists. So there's a design. And because there's a design there is such thing as objectivity, right? And if there's objectivity, then there is a sense of direction. So he's not going to be all angry if I fell off the road, but what I need to do is make sure that I'm trying to be on that road. So start off with what is my objective, right? Even with your friendships, right? Like I've seen so many groups. I talked about this last week at another church, right? Where the group starts off together from church and everyone's praying together and there's the midnight praises, yada, yada, yada. And then that same group within three years into college are the ones that are doing hookah together and like, like good luck finding them at, at any kind of service, right? And even maybe being embarrassed to say to their own like Orthodox friends, God forbid that they're fasting um, or that they are interested in being involved in the service, right? If the objective of your friendship is salvation, which it should be, okay, then that is going to guide the context of your friendship, right? But if you don't have a context to your friendship, once you all start disagreeing, that initial way that you guys were talking about of how to make a decision, that's what's going to prevail, Right of being like instead of saying something is wrong because it's wrong, of being like, but if I say it's wrong, he might be sad, and I don't want him to be sad. So I'll either join him, or I will pretend to be busy. Like, like it's it's nonsense, right? Like you have to be clear on what on what your objectives are. Does that answer, Marina? Or? Good. Okay. David. Actually, that's a great point you just said about. Thank um, you. <laughs> no, I mean um, about like you can't pretend that you're busy. At the same time, you can't you know make up um, excuses. So, and obviously saying you're wrong, humans don't typically react well to that. So, what do you do? How do you tell a person like this isn't the way you should be going about things, or you shouldn't be doing that? So be real about your personality, because we are all are different how we express it, right? One, I didn't used to think this, now I do. I honestly think as cheesy and as mechanical as it sounds, when you're making friends, tell them what the objective of your friendship is. Like, if they're from church, be like, hey, like, I'm friends with you guys because we have the co a common faith, not a common culture, okay? What unites us in church 
is not our ethnicity. Okay, it happens that the majority of us here are one ethnicity, but that is not what makes us one. What makes us one is Christ. Okay, so if the commonality of our friendship, okay, is our Christianity, then that is the deciding factor within it, right? And I, I would now advise saying that explicitly when a friendship is being made. It doesn't have to be like, all right, here's the contract, right, you can sign it, although that might be fun too. Um, but at least to say, I'm really hoping from this friendship that we bring each other like closer to God, that we keep each other in check, right? It's hard enough to like to not do a whole bunch of things as it is like it, it is actually hard and explicitly saying it why because then when something goes wrong and you've already agreed right what the context is it's not as awkward to make a statement of saying like if this is your personality i feel like we're not how we used to be right you don't have to be like you did this and you did this and you did this right but of saying something is different here right or mm-hmm. of simply saying, guys, what yeah. do you think about going to, like, Asheya again, right? I don't know why we stopped, right? It doesn't have to be a pointing fingers thing. If someone in the group starts to do something wrong, don't participate, right? And don't pretend to condone, right? Because you're not doing it. This is one of the most aggravating things to me. And we will say, I don't want them to think I'm judging them. That's nonsense. Okay, if every if me not doing something automatically means I'm judging, then I don't know how anybody in the world can do anything, right? So like if I'm at work and somebody goes out to smoke and I don't, am I automatically judging because I don't smoke? So should I go out and smoke and be like, I'm not judging, I'm not judging, I'll smoke, I'll smoke, right? Like like no one thinks that, right? If someone else is cussing up a storm, I don't have to be like, yeah, let's do it. So I don't judge you, right? That's the solution is not to pretend. Right, that is nothing. So I, you could just simply not, right? For those who don't talk much, people are already gonna see it, right? And they're gonna, they might even ask, like, what's up with you? Like, how come? And if they ask, then feel comfortable saying, to be honest, I just, I don't prefer to do X, Y, and Z, right? For example, let's say the group starts gossiping a lot, which is wrong, okay? Then what would be the harm of being honest and saying, if it's all right, like, I just, I don't wanna. I don't know how to hear these things about people without judging them. Like, I feel like it's not fair to talk about them when they're not here. So if it's all right, like, just while I'm around, could we not? Before that step, without even saying it, change the subject, right? Bring it actively to something positive, right? So whatever the wrong is, first try and correct it by doing the right thing, right? And then if that's not working, then say something gently without accusing anybody of anything, right? Just being like, I feel like this has become a struggle for me, right? Because if the objective, as we said, of the group is for everybody to get closer to God, everybody should take that seriously, right? Like they shouldn't, even if they don't struggle with it, they should, it should be enough to be like, oh no, David said this is a thing for him, right? So let's back off, right? And if they want to do it in their own circle, by all means. If you're kicked out for that, Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, right? It's not just persecuted, period, right? So if you got ostracized for doing the right thing in the right way, don't worry about your end. You're, you're going to be fine, right? They're, they're the ones who might lose out. So example, discussion, setting boundaries, knowing your objectives. What's your name? Giovanni. Giovanni.
when it comes to like controversial issues, right, there is a clear uh, wrong, right? Like uh, gay marriage, right? Throwing that out there. Like it is wrong, but do we have the right to stop them from doing their wrong? No, so I have a right as a citizen to exercise my 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 vote, right? And that's why I'm saying you need to come back to the objective of a thing. To me, the question is 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 simple: What does a vote mean, right? What are you asking me? Are you asking me in my vote? Do I think that people should have a right to do this, or are you asking me? Do I think is good for society, right? Define clearly what is the parameter that you're asking for my vote, right? Because I'm a citizen like everybody else. So if the question is, do I believe rights, then you have to examine, is that right or wrong? Is there an absolute for that yes or no, right? And if it's as simple as what do you feel, then vote with how you feel, right? But your how you feel should be secondary to what is absolutely right or not, right? But even with that kind of conversation, I wasn't shy when I was working to say, we're not going to agree. Because you're assuming that I'm saying that a homosexual is a bad person and I'm not. What I am saying is that because I believe that there's a God, I believe that there is an, ob- an objective expression, prop- healthy expression of sexuality, and that any deviation from it, even if genetic, is a deviation. So I'm saying objectively, it's like saying I believe in absolute health, and because I believe in health, that's how I define disease. Right? I define disease as saying something that has an objective proper functioning didn't happen. There's no blame in that. There's no anger in that. There's no insulting in that. It's an objective statement that something fell short. Right? That's if they desire like to debate. But I don't know how valuable it is. Um, on another note, like, let's say another So the question would then be, is St. Paul saying they're not equal? Right? That's when we go back to the context. Is that what St. Paul is saying? Who is he writing to? And for what reason? And this is what I mean about the whole being objective. Right? Because if somebody says, well, I read that epistle and I just felt like, I don't know. Right? Then there's nothing objective there. Right? That was just a feeling. So the real question should be, what was the issue in Corinth that he's writing about? Right? What was the issue in Rome? What was the issue in this place? Because if we also look at the epistles, some of the first churches were in the houses of women. Right? There were females doing a lot of things in the church, and he mentions them by name. Right? So then now it behoves us to go and say, what is this context and what is it? What objective things can we reach? And where we can't reach it, this is what is wonderful about orthodoxy, is where there is not a consensus, we do not proclaim a dogma. Right? Like, period. So if there isn't a complete unanimity on a particular thing or not said by Christ, we don't proclaim a dogma.
I do think it would be wrong, yes. Like, I think if you're actively harming yourself, that that's wrong, right? But that's why I'm saying all of you, and that's why I asked the question to begin with, is if you don't know your objective in life, right? If you don't know the point of your existence, all of your decisions are random. And so you're not going to get satisfaction, right? And so you're just going to be running after feelings, which is what our whole our whole society is doing, right? We're all looking for a high, right? On some level or another, not just like a, a drug high. We're all looking for some kind of, of, of release. And the reason why is because there is a purpose to my existence that when it's not fulfilled, I feel empty, right? Like it's just, it's built into us. So the only way to avoid it is to know your objective, right? Of saying, and to have conviction about it, right? Because look at an, like an Olympian, right? Life sucks for them. Like they barely get paid. Like the government doesn't give them tons of money, right? So most of them have full-time jobs, right? But they now have to train hardcore outside of their working hours, right? So they're up at four or five every day so that they can hit the track or they can hit the lake and canoe and do whatever it is that they're doing, right? They don't have as much of a social life because they're not going to be out till 1 or 2 a.m. every night because they can't, right? So they have so much conviction about being an Olympian, okay, that they are willing, right, to sacrifice somewhere else happily, right? Like they're not walking around moping, right? If they're walking around moping, then they're going to ask themselves, is this status worth it? right because i hate not doing x y or z right so if you know your objective right if god is real to you right then that will be your defining factor it won't be an acceptable option for you to have anything short of that so if you're with a group of friends that are bringing you down if you're real about your objective without tant or uncle or abuna or anybody saying anything to you you yourself are going to know and say this isn't where i should be right like it like you're, you're gonna know it right if you're with a group and all you're talking about is like as either like girls sexual acts vulgarity cussing right like you're not you're not building right you're more likely going to do all the things that you theoretically believe are wrong right there are some relationships that would be neutral right where there's a commonality like your school friends right where it's like you're chilling you're playing sports right but those aren't those aren't deep and they're not necessarily wrong either right so i'm not saying have no communication with anybody who's not like a professed believer that's not the objective of what i'm saying but i should have in the back of my mind is this taking me forward or is this harming me and if it's harming me then i need to leave it and i am saying even with your christian friends the same thing right because if your christian friends are also the ones bringing you down they are not really Christian friends either, right? So it has to to build, right? Because at the end of the day, St. Paul says it very plainly, you can do whatever you want, right? Which is not how it feels like sometimes being a Christian, right? He goes, all things are lawful. You can do whatever you want, right? But not everything is good for you. That good for you is referring to an objective reality of absolute goodness that does exist, right? So if I'm falling short of that, this thing is is going to be bad for me right and to again choose the analogy of health it's like saying i'm with these people who just like keep throwing pebbles at my head right so it's like am i gonna have like a seizure probably not 
right? Not in a day or two, but maybe, I don't know, after like a decade of having rocks chucked at your head, I don't know what your function will look like, okay? But as, as saying, is it okay to allow injury? Where the better question would be, why do you want them throwing rocks at you, right? Like, like that's the better question, right? Like, so if you bring it back into that perspective, instead of saying, what am I allowed to do? It should be, who am I? And is this pulling me away from that identity? Christine. just doesn't make sense right because you're saying you matter cool okay i don't think anyone objects to that okay but then you do you works really well if you're the only human in existence okay add another human into existence and you can no longer be you right because society clearly doesn't believe you can really be you or we wouldn't have laws Right? So we have laws where we actively restrain people from being allowed to do whatever they want. Right? We tell you, you have to wear a seatbelt or you're not allowed to operate this vehicle. Right? If you drink this thing, you're not allowed to operate the vehicle. And you're not allowed to drink this thing at all. Right? So we clearly, as a society, believe that restraining people is sometimes a necessary thing to do. All we're saying as Christian is, let's not arbitrarily choose how to restrain people right we believe that there is an absolute that exists so let's conform to that absolute right so they're making a claim and we're making a claim and the popularity vote is what wins in the end right but at this at the end of the day they're making a divine claim but their divine claim is that the self is god the christian claim is that god is the god of the self So one is to know the word of God, right? That's that's why the Sunday school answer that everyone makes fun of is a really good answer. When it's like fast, pray, and read the Bible, um, those are really good advice um, for people to actually take. Because Christ said, my sheep know me. When they hear my voice, they recognize me. How? Because they're regularly in dialogue with him. So they know what he thinks and what he says. Right? So that's why when, when something comes off as wrong, they're like, this is not, this is not God. Um, I don't know where the feedback's coming from. So if I know the word of God, I'll give you an example. For example, as a pharmacist, I would sometimes have a case where some of the doctors um, would send a prescription. In Canada, like, certain people are, like, insurance is, is different here. So sometimes I get a script for, like, J. Smith, and the husband is John, and the wife is Joanne. 
right? Joanne has insurance, John does not, right? But they wrote Jay wanting me to make the decision whether I should commit fraud or not, right? Because then there's a question of mercy, right? Of, well, this is an expensive drug, and if I don't lie, will this guy have access, right? But this is where relativism takes over. Am I going to say, I believe I have the authority to decide when something is moral or immoral, or does an absolute exist? Because if an absolute exists, that's my starting point, right? Then I can look at how can I help you within that? Because maybe the help will be, I'll take a loss, right? But my my decision should not be one that contravenes what what God tells us to do. So I have to know the word of God. So God comes first, right? So if the if the government says everybody go out and cuss God out, obviously like we're not gonna do it, right? So if the government were to come and tell me you have to um, bless homosexual marriages, no, like I, I I won't, right? Like that you don't have jurisdiction over that, right? But if the government tells me you have to drive at four kilometers per hour, um, point whatever miles per hour, um, no problem right then we'll 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 do it but so it's where there's a conflict this is why this is what god means when he says it's a very difficult verse because we don't know old english very well when god says unless you hate father mother brother sister you're not worthy of me right hate doesn't mean the social meaning of hate today of despise them or dislike them right because he told us we had to love right so he's not going to turn around and say hate to love is to choose Right? So if I have two options before me, the thing that I choose is the thing that I love. The thing that I don't choose is by default the thing that I hate. This is why in the Old Testament God said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. He did not hate Esau in the social context of, of hatred. Right? He's saying, I didn't choose Esau. I chose Jacob for the blessing. So what he's saying there is, even when it comes to family, choose me first. Love, love truth more. I am the truth. Love truth first, everything else secondary. Because the minute something is allowed to be more important than truth, that's when everything falls, right? And that's the whole the whole point of all of it. Um, let me do a couple of these, and then I'll come back to the live ones. Um, judgment and gossip have become so common now. How do I know the difference between gossip and venting? How do I stop myself from being involved with people who are gossiping or stop the gossiping before it happens? Um, so I need to know that judgment is not the same as um, discerning something or knowing something, right? So judgment is to actually cast um, a label or a value or a worth on somebody, right? So again, to bring it back to health, because that's my language, okay, is if I notice somebody's in a wheelchair... I haven't judged them, right, by observing and knowing that they're handicapped, okay? Like, there's something obvious in front of me, right? But if I'm like, oh, handicapped, right? I'm clearly indicating some kind of thing in my mind that means that I've evaluated some kind of worth or some kind of social context. Whereas to simply observe that somebody is blind is simply an observation, okay? So I'm not judging, just having noticed. Because sometimes when people say, that was a lie, like, wow, you're judging. I say, but it might be an obvious lie, 
um, and that's not the judgment. If I'm calling the person a liar, right, and a horrible person, now I'm judging, right? But to discern that a lie has been told isn't necessarily judging. I wish that we would all be at a spiritual level where we didn't even see the sins of others, but unfortunately we're not all there. So that's that's what judgment is. Gossip is to come back bringing, like the intention is to bring back news, right? To make, oh, did you see what that person did? Can you believe it? That person did this and this and this and this. I never expected that of him or her. And like, I heard that, that their house, like they do this and that, and, and it's, it's, it's stories, right? That, that's unacceptable, right? There's never a time for that, right? If you're venting, try to the best of your ability to not go into detail, right? And just say, objectively, I had a bad day, right? This event occurred. You don't even need to name names, right? You don't need to say anything about anybody, right? And keep it restricted to what you need to do. Obviously, perfection would be to not vent, but most of us are not there. I vent sometimes, right? But instead, like sometimes I'll go to one of Curlis's house and be like, I'm gonna vent, don't say anything, okay? I'm just pissed. And then I just let it all out. I don't say names or whatever. I'm like, I'm done, let's do whatever we're gonna do, okay? So there's nothing wrong with being honest about your day sucking, um, but just don't drag people in. Ask yourself what you're doing. And if you have good friends, ask them to point it out when you do it. Right? I've done that with friends before too. I used to use the word retarded. Um, I didn't think it was a big deal, right? Until I said it in front of somebody whose brother is mentally retarded, right? And she was mortally offended. Um, and so it was my go-to word, right? So I told my group, I'm like, I don't care if you guys stop saying it or not. I don't feel comfortable saying it anymore. So whenever I say it, I want you guys to call me out. And they did, right? Until eventually like because i knew they were going to call me out on it and i didn't want to be called out um i mentally started changing the word before it came there and it revealed something to me that i was really using that word horribly because my replacement words were not very good um so i'm like if that's what i was using to mean these things then that was really horrible of me right so it, it drew light even on my own mistakes right which is what we want we want truth so i would say Start off with yourself asking the group to help you. Make it about your weakness, not their weakness, right? Of saying, I want to stop this thing that I do and enlist them to help you um, in stopping it. If it happens, don't participate, don't laugh. For example, someone's gossiping and they said something that the expectation is we're all gonna like chuckle, don't, right? Because you are now laughing at the expense of somebody else. Don't do that, right? So keep your face serious. People will notice that. And then if they ask you, why aren't you laughing? Just be like, I just feel really badly talking about them, right? You didn't say you did X, Y, and Z. I'm saying I feel guilty laughing at somebody, right? Just like I learned this from Emma Sabian and I really respect it from him and I was copying it in him. Emma Sabian, if someone goes to complain to him, even from the priests, right? About another priest or about somebody, he's like, stop. Why are you telling me this? He'll actually actively stop them and ask them. Right? And if it's leveling accusations, like, either you bring the priest with you and talk to me about it, or know that I'm going to go to that priest and tell him that you said these things. Are you accepting of that? Right? And he to make sure that there's no, even a single bit of gossip or judgment or somebody trying to do something negative, which I really, really respect. Right? And it brings the level up of everybody. Right? Like when, when I saw that, it made me respect him even more. 
right? Then I was just like, this is really nice. It makes me feel more secure, right? Because if you can laugh about someone else and someone in your group can laugh about someone else, you can be sure they'll laugh about you too, right? So if you're willing to do it, everyone's willing to do it. So raise the standard up. So address it, say it, like start off with this self. And if they're doing it around you, don't participate. If you have the fortitude or the personality, because we don't all have the same personality, to actively say something to the group, then do it, right? Then just say, guys, I, I think we're kind of, you know, pushing it, right? It doesn't have to be said um, in a horrible way. There are thoughts constantly in my head. Um, just tell me when to stop, because I have no idea when we're supposed to stop. Um, just a heads up, so you guys don't die. Um, there are thoughts constantly in my head, and I ask God to help me to not think about it. And I try to ignore, but it's stuck. Um, what should I do? One, confess it. Okay? Um, because re- revealing your thoughts to your father confession, <coughs> even if it's not a sin, um, brings you a lot of relief. Right? When I was a novice at St. Anthony's Monastery, um, I couldn't sleep from this certain thought that would not go away. And when I was in the monastery, Satan was my was my father confession at the time because there there wasn't anyone else. Um, and so I couldn't sleep, and my mind was plagued with it. And it was days and days and days. So Satan came, and I went to him. I told him at the beginning of the liturgy, like I, I need to talk to you really briefly um, after the liturgy. He's like no problem. We came after the liturgy, and I'm not even exaggerating. I had forgotten what my issue was. Um, and I I felt stupid to be quite honest. Um, because I made it sound really urgent. I'm like, I don't remember what it was anymore. Um, and he laughed and he was like, that's normal. Then you know this is a demonic thing, okay? So exposing is good because if it's a diabolical warfare, because some thoughts are from the devil and some thoughts are from yourself, okay? So if it's from the devil, the best way to deal with it is just to reveal it because then he's exposed, right? You've lifted up a rock and revealed the scorpion underneath. Now the scorpion has to leave, okay? But if it's a thought of your own, I would still reveal it to get advice on it. Right, because sometimes it's what how we're living that's reinforcing a thought. Right. So, for example, I'm gonna use a completely arbitrary example. Maybe there's something that I'm not supposed to do, but I want to do it. Right. If all I keep thinking about is I'm not allowed, 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 I'm not allowed. Right. You are reinforcing the thought. Right. All you're gonna think about is what you're not allowed to do until you finally just do it, okay? Which is gonna be the eventual outcome. Instead, right, do something else, right? Like if it's Friday and we're theoretically fasting and there's a Big Mac on the table and it's noon, if you sit in front of the Big Mac from mid- noon until midnight, you're, you're gonna eat it, right? You're gonna start being like, the bread is me, the bread is fasting, right? But I think it touched the Mac sauce. So maybe I should just have the lettuce part, right? And then it's like, but that had cream in it. I may as well eat that. You're, it's going to evolve, right? And like you're, you're going to just down the whole sandwich. If instead you go and be like, whatever, it's noon. There's lots of time and I'm going to suffer sitting here. I'm going to go chill. I'll go play sports. I'll go call up my friend, right? I'll go do insert positive activity here. You might actually get so distracted by the positive thing that you're doing that you forget that even when midnight hits. Right, and it's also cold and disgusting, but that's another story, right? But the point is, find out: Are you the one that's reinforcing the thought? 
right? Are you doing something that's forcing it to stay in your mind? Because if it is, again, exposing to someone else can help remedy that, right? And, and find out what it is. The Desert Fathers find this immensely helpful. Recommend memorizing short prayers, whether it's the Jesus prayer, right? My Lord Jesus Christ, and oh God, have mercy on me, right? Um, in, in Egyptian monastic traditions, they often modify the prayer. So like, like my Lord Jesus, help me. My Lord Jesus, rescue me. My Lord Jesus, comfort me. They'll change the verb at the end of it to match whatever my warfare is, right? Memorizing psalms um, is really helpful. If you memorize parts of liturgy, right? It doesn't even have to be just psalms. Some people have a lot of, of liturgy memorized. Sing parts of liturgy to yourself or pray it um, in your head, right? And the more you do that, the more that you can combat the thoughts by putting something positive. But the, the best way, which includes the Psalms, input in is input out. Okay, it's a simple rule. What do I feed my senses with? Because whatever is constantly going in is going to be what's affecting my thoughts, right? So ask myself, is my input matching the objective, right, that we talked about earlier? Because if it is, that'll help me fight. But if my input is negative, I'm going to be a little bit weaker um, in my fight. Go for it. That's the whole point of having a spiritual guide, is specifically that, right? Is that your spiritual guide gives a rule, and a rule is not meant to be a competition, right? The rule is meant to be, you need to maintain communication with God, right? So that you don't dip into lukewarmness, right, and and lose stuff. But it also can't be a rule that you dread, like, going near it, right? Um... And usually what a spiritual father will do is that if you have an overambitious person who wants to do more, they'll, they'll kick back against them, right? My, my priest did that to me a lot, where I was very presumptuous and I thought I was the most righteous in the world. So I'd be like, fast till noon, I can do nine. Um, and, like, and do that kind of stuff. So he would actually regulate back and be like, no, who do you think you are, right? Whereas like, if another person is on the other extreme, right, of like doing nothing, right, then it might need like a push to be like, no, these are your minimums, right? You need to at least do this and this and this. So the important thing is to have a guide and to be honest with the guide about your language, right? Because there's your spiritual rule needs to have multiple things in it, but the ratios of those things will vary on personality, okay? Because somebody's language of love might be service, right? There are people who are madly in love with the Bible um, and struggle a lot with Psalms. There are people who can pray Psalms for hours, um, but can't tolerate a spiritual book, okay? But the spiritual guide should be like, okay, where where are you naturally expressing yourself? And then what the guide, if he's skilled and experienced, um, is able to do over time is with history, that's why stability with the spiritual father, regularity is important, is seeing how you act in different circumstances, right? Like my priest used to be able to tell me, like he would know when I'm down, 
right? And he's like, no, you're in a low right now. This is your rule right now, right? Because we need, we, we don't want you to do this, right? Because I would probably get burnt out if I continue to do it, right? Whereas days where what we call visitation of grace, where you have the Holy Spirit actively enabling you, right? That's a period to do more because it's coming out naturally. So you don't feel like it's a drag, right? So that exposure and that time and that, that there is where the the rule gets governed and be honest with your spiritual guide right about um your reactions to the rule right because most of them will say that's fine for now i know you might not like it let's be consistent and just see what happens because like anyone who's gone to the gym for the first week and never gone is going to be tired right but it's like let's let's wait this out long enough to see what the right regimen should be I'll stop at like 9.25 because I think we started at 8.25. Fair? Or are you bored out of your minds already? Okay. Um, yes, I'm with Christ. And yes, my first decision would be centered around him. But how do I determine my objective? I don't know my objective. I know it's to be with God and be a light in the world. But how do I determine my objectives, my calling, even when I'm in my early mid-stage in college? So, the goal of everyone is salvation, okay? So, it's my unity with God that starts on earth, okay? My unity with God doesn't start when I die, okay? Unity with Christ starts here. So, Christians are not, contrary to what many people think, we're not living our lives for the next one, okay? We're living our lives for this one and the next one, okay? So, number one is salvation. So, that's what determines all of my decision-making in terms of rights and wrongs. Every individual, however, has been given gifts, right? And um, in the parable um, that our Lord gives about the master giving out talents, he was very offended by the person who was saying, no, I don't have gifts. He's like, no, you did, right? You just didn't want to use them, right? So there's nobody that he didn't give a gift. Maybe someone had five and another person had two, but everyone got a gift, right? So this is where if you are attentive and if people around you are attentive, you'll know your gift. Why? It tends to be where you have the most joy and fulfillment, right? Like if I, when I was in the monastery, for example, again, as a novice, I was ordered to dig trenches to put in water lines for the gardens. And I had never done garden work in my life, right? So I was miserable. Um, in the sense that I thought I was destroying a really nice garden um, and having no idea what I was doing. And I had no interest whatsoever um, in mastering it, right? Out of duty, I'm like, all right, I better look this up so I don't like explode a pipe or something, right? But I hated it, right? So if imagine if that became my profession, right? Then I'm going to be a very miserable person, okay? Or I'm going to be looking forward to the end of my work day all the time. Right? But if I have a gift, which I do, you all do, and St. Paul said, there's nothing egotistical about having a gift because you didn't give yourself the gift. That's why it's called a gift. Okay, Someone else gave it to you. So you have nothing to boast about it. So if you're a good communicator, right? if you're a compassionate person, if you are somebody who's very academic, some people have the ability to read and read and read and that they can teach others. Right? There are other people who have no patience for that, but they're happy to walk around um, cleaning. Right? These are all <coughs> gifts that are supposed to be brought to the whole community. 
So what you need to do is find out, and if you don't know, ask people who know you well. Um, I've done this, I've asked a lot of people to do this before. It might seem cheesy. Um, I need to mute this. Um, is ask people who know you well, how would you describe me? Right? If you had to identify um, something that I'm good at, what would it be? And you might be surprised, right? Is that you might find like like one person that I've been in, like, you're an incredible listener, right? Or like, you're very charismatic. Everybody listens to you when you speak, right? There are other people who are really compassionate. Like, choose any profession where you are giving something to people, that you're comforting people, right? There's another person who, like, is can geek out with, like, the technology. Um, I don't know if you guys know Buna Mike Fanous, right? Buna Mike Fanous is a priest, a very good priest, right? But he's so passionate about technology. I don't know guys know if you know the app, Anaphora. He made that. Right, and that he'll sit there and spend hours just trying to figure out how can I get people to get access. How can I like like he's passionate because it's his gift, right? So find out what is your gift, and that should be the direction that you go, and you're gonna feel fulfilled. We have this weird like self-hatred complex. I don't know if it's an Egyptian culture thing or not. Of like you're supposed to hate your service. I don't know why we think that um, because there's nothing really righteous about hating that. Um, I think. What got confused is, if necessity dictates that I do something that I'm not comfortable with, so be it, right? I don't have to love it, right? But I don't need to hate my service, um, or I will be a really horrible person to be around. Um, so know your gift, use it effectively, um, and I think you'll find out your objective very easily, because then, not to drag this on, your gift that you have is a characteristic of God, right? Is that what you've received is something that is in God himself, which means it's going to be your most natural means to pray. So a person, for example, who loves um, serving kids or youth, right? That person, if they're where they love, prayer is going to come more naturally to them by serving, Right? They're going to have something to talk to God about because it's where they're excited. They're going to be coming home being like, Lord, help this person and this person and this person. Or, Lord, when, I, when this person said this, I realized how selfish I am. Right? Like it, it reveals stuff to you because that's your, your language. Whereas someone who can't tolerate children who's like, Lord, help them to just not cling to me because they really irritate me. Right? Whereas another person who can do silence might be staring at nature and seeing it. So your gift is a characteristic of, of God. And so if you use that gift, you're going to see God through that gift, and that's going to be your natural language to deal with him. Your whole spiritual life should improve um, if you're using um, your gifts. What is the difference between absolute truth and authority? For example, in the Verena situation, um, why are the parents the absolute truth and not an example of authority in our lives? I actually prefaced it with saying, I'm not saying that the parents um, would be the deciding factor, right? What I was saying is that there is an absolute that I have to honor my parents, right? So I can't be like, you're all stupid and you don't get it and like, you know, like go back to like the motherland, um, like that's disrespectful, right? But actually the biblical command is children obey your parents in the Lord, right? There is a second half to the verse. Right? And the parents are also instructed, or at least the fathers, um, fathers, provoke not your children. Um, 
which you can remind your parents respectfully. Um, actually, I don't encourage you to do that. Um, but the, even the authorities within the church are governed by absolute truth, right? So if I, as a priest, tell you, come and gossip and tell me what is going on in youth group, you have every right to say, absolutely not, right? Gossiping is wrong, right? So authority is a, is a way of establishing order, okay? But it's within, again, secondary to absolute truth. So authority exists, but authority is not exempt from, from truth. So in school, we are taking evolution. None of it makes sense with what the Bible says. How does the Bible explain how evolution is incorrect? Or how many years is Earth actually? The Bible does not make a claim about how old the Earth is. The Bible does not make a claim about how specifically man was made. Okay? So there is no conflict here. So we sometimes have taken on a Protestant interpretation of the Bible, which is of the very literal um, absolutism. Okay? That is not how the early church approached the Bible. Right? And so I personally don't see a dilemma. The Bible says God used the dust of the earth to create man. What is dust of the earth? Who knows, right? Because whether there's evolution or not, we're all made out of organic material. All of it is the dust of the earth, okay? So at the end of the day, the role of science is to ask how, okay? We're asking the hows of everything. Religion is answering the questions of why, okay? So there are many Orthodox Christians who are evolutionists, and there are many Orthodox Christians who are not, okay? So it is not, there's no objective of having a particular stance. We look for truth, because truth isn't a challenge to God, okay? If God made it, then everything that he made is indicating something about him. Um, so there shouldn't, I don't really see a conflict. I don't know if someone wants to elaborate more on it. Um, go for it. Yeah. And uh, uh, so they actually mentioned that there are multiple, multiple uh, scientists that are actually agnostic that actually believe that uh, there is a big correlation of how uh, the Bible, how accurate the Bible and the Christian faith is with uh, with like science. So why do you think those people are so like agnostic and like atheists? I don't know. Right, because I mean, everyone has their reason, right? So, like, I can't speak generally for everybody, but I think the biggest obstacle to most people becoming a Christian are Christians. Um, is that most Christians don't know what we believe, so they spew out nonsense, um, and they spew it out very confidently um, and very authoritatively in a way that alienates a lot of people, right? So, to me, what needs to always be kept objectively is what is the claim of religion versus what people are saying, okay? Because often what people are saying isn't what the religion itself claims, right? So that's why when the question is brought about evolution, my first question is, is this what we claim about the Bible? Because if it is what we claim about the Bible, then we do have a problem, right? Like there's no hiding from that. If that was our claim, then there is a, a monumental contradiction. But is that the claim? And that's why in orthodoxy, we go back to the source and go back to the time of Christ and the apostles to say, how did they look at it, right? Because anybody could come and challenge me and say, 
oh, I mean, that's how you're saying it today because it's convenient for you because we discovered this thing, right? Where it's like, actually, no, that was never the claim, right? So the Bible was never originally used as a scientific textbook and it was never used as a historical textbook. So I don't like when an atheist or agnostic tries to use my Bible in that way. I also don't like it when a Christian uses it in that way, okay? Because we have many of them that do, right? So you have to go back to anything and say, what is the claim being made here? Is there a dogma about this? Is there an absolute? If there is, right, then it, it must stand the scrutiny of truth, right? So it would be absolutely ludicrous if somebody, like, so people will use the Bible and say, the Lord who reigns over the sphere of the earth as a proof that the, that the Bible talked about the earth being spherical, right? To me, I'm like, that's not a very compelling argument because there are other verses that say the four corners of the earth, right? So why did you choose this verse over this verse? These are just expressions, right? So for me to go and try and use it in a, in a certain way is wrong, right? It would be like, for example, if I keep a journal, right? A diary of my life, okay? And the whole purpose of my journal is to talk about my take on the world based on my day, right? So let's say I heard some rumor that like Bama got assassinated and I write in my journal today Obama was assassinated, okay? Maybe someone reading my journal a decade from now reads it and says, oh wow, that was true. It really did happen that day. But in the same journal, like this is great, let's use this. Okay, but in the same journal, I'm like, yeah, and Russia blasted its nukes and blah, blah, blah. And there might be wrong facts. There might be things that I heard two months later and wrote down. I might have thought it was a certain city and it was another city, right? So are those problems? No, because I didn't claim my journal was supposed to be a historical log. I claimed that my journal is me giving my thoughts on my day right could there happen to be history in my day sure right could there happen to be something that has a scientific explanation in what i talked about yes but i'm not making a claim to teach science through it right like if, like like that's the important part so i think that those are the parts between science and religion that need to be ironed out a lot more clearly so that we're not all shoving fingers like in each other's faces It would, if the defining moment in humanity was the active giving of the spirit that elevated man from being just an animal, right? So if it stopped and there was no active act of saying, and then God did this, then we would have, we would have that question to answer, right? But he actively says it, and then says, behold, I give you dominion over the earth, which we clearly have. Right? Like, and if we were not in the image and likeness of God, it's still a wonder to me, and I'm not using this as a, as a proof, it's just a question, of why are we so obsessed with morality? Right? Like, how dare anyone call anything right or wrong? Right? Animals kill each other and nobody's scandalized by that. Right? So why not if we're just animals? So I don't think that that's a dilemma 
because it actively says, and then he did this. And when you look at patristic exegesis of the book of Genesis, you'll have random commentary on the first part of creation. Like, there'll be some nice stuff here and there. But when it comes to the image and likeness of God, that's where they go nuts, right? Like, this is what makes humans humans. Um, and it's actually the focal point of the whole narrative of redemption. Everything is about, res- like, restoration of the image and likeness. Giovanni. Sorry? Bring up which? Sure, they could. But that's why I'm saying let's be objective, right? So that's why every Christian at some point really should ask themselves why they believe, right? So, like, if I, if I believe that there's a God, right, faith isn't irrational, right? So if I'm going to come to the conclusion that there's a God, it shouldn't be on whim, right? It's not the worst thing in the world if it's on whim. It's just really weak if it's on whim. Right, but like I could have faith that I could tightrope again across Niagara Falls on my first try, right? But that's just stupid, right? So like, hopefully I base my faith on something. So yes, they could bring up herd mentality, but then the question is, do I do what I do because the herd is doing it, or do I believe that there is an active revelation? Because the claim of religion is that there is a God. Why did we come up with the idea that there's a God? Because we think that God showed him or her itself to humanity. Those are the claims. So then the next thing to do is assess the claims. So if I've assessed the claims, right, then I'm now doing something objectively. I'm not doing it because the herd said so. So if you look at the original language, right, that the Bible is written in, a day doesn't mean necessarily it can mean 24 hours right but the same word that's used there means an era an age it means a period right that has a start and an end so it's saying so the first age is the age of light and dark then there's the age of of earth and 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 sea then there's the age of the water animals and then of the land animals and then of 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 humans right so and actually the progression of those days does actually match the the historical record right of 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 creation and of life on the earth from a secular like perspective so that's why even the very early fathers actively made a point of saying many of them not all of them that this could have been over a long time because like in another place says the data god is, is a thousand years does it even mean literally a thousand years no Right, is that God is outside of time, right? So God is not working and saying like, oh man, I have 24 hours, I gotta get this done, right? Like to him, he's just doing his thing, right? And by simply saying in the beginning, it marks a start of time, because even time was created. Good question. Are you guys tired? I think that's been tons. One more, sure. From here? Okay, I thought maybe that one. Okay. Um, I want to throw out the history of orthodoxy. The church's hierarchical structure has changed and adapted according to geographical, linguistic, and cultural needs. For example, the Eritrean church was born from the Coptic church and when it developed independence and level of spiritual maturity, its own fathers, martyrs, and writings. 
The Eurasian Church is an independent construct governing a specific land, but in full communion with the Sea of Alexandria. As such, how is that we live within the borders of several dioceses? Oh man, Armenian, Indian, Coptic, Ethiopian at once, and yet these churches aren't full communion with each other. Um, I'm torn on this one because canonically what we're doing is wrong, okay, objectively. Um, and it's because humans suck. Um, so, like, that's the short answer. Okay, so in the early church, there was no such thing as an embassy church. Okay, so the Coptic church in Egypt is not an embassy of Egypt. Okay, the Indian Orthodox Church in, in, in America is not an embassy of India, even though sometimes we culturally do that. Okay, but it's wrong. So, originally, this is why we're called apostolic churches, the apostles went out and preached, right? They established a church where they went. They all had different rites and rubrics. Um, the Eastern Orthodox, at one point in their history, standardized and normalized liturgical practices and hymns, and that's why they now all do the same thing for the most part. Within Oriental Orthodoxy, every church actually maintains her own practice and rituals, which personally I like, it gives a richness, right? But the, the, the jurisdictions were defined at the Council of Nicaea. They were established. So Egypt was in charge of um, Libya, uh, the Pentapolis is what it was called at the time, Nubia, Sudan, and Ethiopia. Um, why? Because the political jurisdiction of the governor of Egypt was also over those lands. That was the, re that was the main reason. Um, technically, North America is under the jurisdiction of Rome. Um, if we were going to go by the Nicene, because um, uh, Rome was given and everything else west. Um, and so today, obviously, we're not in communion with Rome, right? So then there's a the question of, well, is the Bishop of Rome a valid bishop? Um, and then that introduces a whole bunch of craziness, okay? So what's ended up happening is that what we're doing right now, again, canonically is wrong. There should not be a Romanian, Egyptian, Indian, Syrian, Armenian, um, Latvian, like whatever you name it, bishop in one locale. There's one bishop in one church. Um, this is where I think we could learn a lot from the Roman Catholic Church, actually, because what the Roman Catholic Church has in its structure is that you have one bishop, but within a diocese, you can have multiple rites. So you can have a Byzantine Catholic rite, you can have a Latin rite, you can have a Western rite, all under the same bishop, but each practicing according to the rites and rubrics because there's nothing wrong with having multiple expressions um, of faith. And what's good about that is that it emphasizes the faith more than it does the culture, right? Because if the Coptic church is going to try and survive by saying, no, we need lots of people in our churches, well, what, what are you going to do? Import as many Egyptians as you can? Or are you going to bring in people and say, you've become Egyptian, congratulations, right? And then how do we compete with the Indians? Be like, oh, why do you want to be Indian? You could be Egyptian, right? Like, like it's, it's a nonsensical conversation to even have, right? So the reality, I think, is that what, what should unite us over time is just our all being in this country and having the same faith, um, which is why we should do more together. If I answered emails more, it would be good too. Um, but we as a whole should be doing more together. I'm not comfortable, personally, even though I think it's the right canonical thing to do eventually, 
I'm not comfortable with the idea of an autonomous autocephalous church because the churches here were still very young, right? Is that you have to be plugged into an ancient source, right? To see what the wealth of the church looks like, right? Here, I don't know how many of you guys have gone to any of your motherlands, right? But it's a different sense of piety, right? When you go to an ancient monastery, when you see the way that it's practiced, is that no matter what's right or wrong anywhere, there's a deep well that we're drawing from, right? And so even though, again, canonically, it's not the most right thing, I don't think we're in a place to do that. My own personal, and this is purely a personal opinion, I see nothing wrong with um, having a local synod, right, that's joint, um, where the members still belong to their mother churches, right, and go back to their home synods with some degree of granted autonomy for matters that pertain only to where we are, right, because we have a different culture, right? So the matters that pertain only to America, no problem if the bishops take decisions on that, um, but while still being rooted um, to there. Even, like, our source of bishops is the monasteries, right? So until there's an overflowing strong monasticism here, right, that would be scary to me, right, if we took all of our bishops um, from a place that's 10 years old, right? And be like, yeah, he's uh, like a great monk. No, he's not, not in a decade. He might be good by the local standards, right? Like I'm not shooting down any of those. Like there's two that might get ordained that are phenomenal, right? But it's different when you've sat at the feet of the elders, right? And, and heard what the guy who is 90 years old said about the guy that was nine years old when he entered the monastery, right? And says, this is how... You do it. Like during the 40 days, for example, um, at um, some of the monasteries, when the priest does his 40 days, they'll make them sit down and bring in the elder monks and teach them how to be good priests, right? And be like, here's how you take confessions. Not all the monasteries do that, unfortunately. I wish they did. Mine didn't. Um, but it's th there's a wealth, right? So it just has to be done at the right time and in the right way. Game over. One last one. Okay, last one for reals. Um, I'm saying this respectfully, by the way. Um, so I wasn't assuming otherwise. Um, so I have a question about knowledge. I'm still really confused on why God doesn't just give us all the answers to everything we need to know. I know the Bible has some knowledge, but not all to why, how, or what is God's plan. Actually, it does give us everything we need to know. Right? He said... I made you, I love you, please love me back, here's how I designed you, now go play. So that's all there is to it, right? And if I abide by the design, then I'm fine, right? Even the consequences of sin, they're consequences, not really punishments, right? They're punishments in the sense that they're negative, okay? But they're not punishments in the sense that God's like, oh, you did that, here's your penalty. Right, I'm gonna make you repeat first year, right? Like, like that's not like how how it works, right? But if I take a pen and shove it in my arm, right? There's a consequence. I have an injury, right? And that's not somebody angry with me, right? I did something stupid, okay? So he gave us all that we needed, right? And said here are, here are the guidelines. So to me, it's it's actually a positive thing that I'm meant to be free. Right? I'm not meant to be restrained by everything. Right? What we just sometimes confuse is 
how truth is liberating because we think liberty is doing whatever we want and that's not liberty right so for example i have a disease and certain foods make me very ill i didn't know right so my eating whatever i want is bringing me injury right so the truth being manifested brought me freedom from disease right like in a, in a very real way right of being like oh if i eat this i get sick so freedom is not to eat whatever i want now now i'm free from these negative things by knowing something right so he gave us that knowledge we just don't like it um is the real issue a lot of the times is that most of us think that real freedom is i should be allowed to do whatever i want without consequences but that's not possible right there's no such thing as as no consequences last one for reals okay. <laughs> someone asked me this the other day and i didn't really know what to say um if god has a will why do we pray and if we can pray and god changes his will because we pray then does that mean that god's will isn't an absolute which we've already established that it is no so why we pray is actually a really good question um that i struggled with after i was ordained not before for some reason um free will is the way okay god's will for everyone is salvation okay that's a fixed thing right and he is dynamic in that there are some things that he has specific will for people in and in which case when he does he's not shy about expressing it okay like if joseph didn't believe his dream about going to egypt i don't think god would be like he missed the memo right he'd have grabbed him by the neck and shoved him in egypt okay because he wanted it to happen and those are exceptional when he's actively intervening what we're praying for is actually a really big deal that people don't take very seriously when we're praying we're saying god i want you to enter into time and override someone's free will that's a really big request right and what do we pray for like the most trivial things like thankfully he he's not annoyed by that right but imagine if you had access to like the president that you could ask whatever you want and you're like yeah i don't like curbside delivery um do you think you could ban that right like like but that that's the kind of thing that we do okay so when we're praying it's not like god changed his mind we're asking him to come in and change something that people did right and so that's why god doesn't always do it right because he might not he might he knows whether something is a good idea or not and he knows how it affects everyone's salvation in the picture right so for example and I, if i pray to get a job and there's 10 other applicants i'm actually saying please lord because i'm your kid give me the job and not the other 10 i don't realize that that's what i'm praying but i am right and i think that is because i'm your kid well all 10 actually are his kid right so what happens if somebody in that group his whole family and extended family are living off of his salary right then god might actually say no to me because why would he be like no let that guy suffer cuz you're just amazing like he he doesn't look at it like that right so god is actively overriding and when he does it has to be in everyone's best interest from a salvation perspective but that is not the norm because otherwise free will isn't real right so that's why be very careful about what we label as god's will because a lot of people really abuse that 
right? Whenever something goes well, they're like, say, see, it was God's will. If it doesn't happen, see, it wasn't God's will. If it gets reversed the next day, oh, it turned out it was God's will, right? And I think, so what was God's will? Like, we've heard all of them, right? But so we're often inventing for him what his will is. His will is salvation, right? And what we're praying for is an intervention, not necessarily what he really wills. That makes sense, but to, not to play the devil's advocate, but that's what do they're it. just going to do. <laughs> is they're going to say, well, then does God really value free will, and does he really give us free will if he can just override it, and he does on your request, you little precious kid? Yeah, because if a parent cares about his kid, right, God gives us examples of himself in humanity, right? If your kid comes up to you and says, Daddy, I know you said I shouldn't play with the oven, but I really like putting my hands in it while it's on. Right? I could be like, well, I value freedom. Go for it. Right? Then you're a horrible father. Right? So like there's 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 a degree of respect to human will, right? And God would wait for a culmination of wrong and intervene. The culmination that we're waiting for right now is his return. Right? Is that he, he isn't happy with what's going on. Right, is that humans are using their, their free will for wrong, right? And so in the Old Testament, he rebooted it with the flood, right? Then rebooted it with the incarnation, right? And so we keep on heading towards evil, towards evil, towards evil, right? So the culmination of this is in the restoration that comes in the second coming, right? So yes, God believes in free will, but he's also when somebody actually deals with him as a father, right? Then he, re- he responds accordingly. Right? And so that is where my relationship with him really makes a difference. Right? Because if I'm dealing with him as a tyrant or as a non-existent being, and I just turn around randomly like, uh, do this thing for me now, if you're real. Right? Then it's like, sorry, I don't function like that. And he said so. Right? But if there's a real relationship going, right, then he said, no, ask me with confidence. Right? And if it's something that's good, I'm going to give it to you. Right? And he even said, he goes, which of you, if your kid asked you for bread, you would hand them a stone, right? Like, if you, who are evil, do nice things, right? Why do you think I'm a big jerk, right? Like, like I'm, I'm not going to do it. So, no, he values the free will, but he also, like, deals with kids as kids, right? He doesn't want his kids to be screwed over because he has to train them to learn how to make the right decisions, right? Just like our parents. There's going to be severe consequences to the wrongs we do when we're kids, Right? When you become a teenager, it's more yelling and screaming and privileges, right? And then by the time you're in college, it's like, I told you right from wrong, whatever you want to do, you do it. And they still get angry, but whatever, like, and then you own your own house and you do your own thing, right? So we have the same progression spiritually with God. And glory be to God forever. Amen. All right. Other announcements?